This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. I'm Kim Reynolds of Dogman.com with Chris Fetter, Scott Eklund. What are we in, day four? Day four. Day four, Husky Fall Camp 2023s on the shores of Lake Washington. We were not getting buzzed by Blue Angels today. A little overcast today. Uh, temperatures in the low 70s, supposed to get up to 80 a little bit later. But no Blue Angels, but getting buzzed by seaplanes all yeah. day. Yeah, a lot of them. There was, there was at least four or five that I saw. Yeah, going around in a circle. Yeah, so pretty wild day. We've never been buzzed by the seaplanes before. But I think one is owned by Dan Lanning. I'm not sure, though. Yeah, sure. and the other one's Jim Harbaugh, early yeah. scouting. Yeah. So maybe did, they... you, did you see the latest rumor about Dan Lanning? Yeah. It's, it's, Which one's that? That, 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 he that was he's, pissed off, he's pissed off that, they, that they're joining the Big Ten. That's now not true at all. Because the Pac-12 offered least, less competition to get to the playoffs. That's right. not true at there's all. A, you know, there's yeah. a lot of stuff people are out saying out there, and I find the one humorous that... USC and UCLA didn't want to Washington and Oregon in the com- same conference because of recruiting, which is, and I know people are saying it, but I also know it's just silly. So, yeah. anyways, lots um, of rumors out there. Yeah, things people say, right? Um, again, day four, kind of an interesting thing. First thing we noticed today when we walked in, and uh, Michael Penix didn't throw the football at all today. No, he was dressed out. Um, also kind of mirrored, did a lot of stuff uh, shadowing. Yeah, he, did, and, he took mental reps during the team periods. And also uh, shadowed um, uh, Mike, or Austin Mack hey, real around quick, the Scott, field. Before you go on, tell people what you mean by that and maybe give them a visual so they can get an idea of what that looks well, like. Well, when, when they mirror or shadow, whatever you want to call it, um, the quarterback who's actually in the play is up you know, in his normal spot, but then about, what, 10 yards maybe? Yeah. 10 yards back. The quarterbacks, and it's not, it's not just uh, Michael Penix. Dylan Morris does it. I saw Alex Johnson doing it too. And they'll they'll go and they'll do the actual play. So they'll they'll do a they'll carry out a play fake, um, and then they'll point to where they would throw the ball. Right. And part of that is it gets them on film so that the coach can see that they knew what they where they were supposed to go. But then they can also just get the mental reps in. So. Yeah. Um, that's what that is. But then also, Penix was spending a lot of time chatting with Austin Mack between series that Austin Mack was playing in. So I think it's more Austin Mack just absorbing what he can from the guy who's the starter. And we asked uh, Kalen DeBoer about uh, Michael not uh, throwing the ball today. Tell people what uh, Kalen DeBoer yeah, had he to made, say. He, he made it sound like it was kind of a, you know, in baseball and other places, it's called load management now yeah. with the arms. And so he was. It, he basically made it sound like it was load management that they, he had thrown a lot the first couple of days in practice. You know, like the end of yesterday's practice, he he wasn't involved in the team periods either. So I think they started to taper it off there, and then they just said this is not only a great time to just give him a day off from the physical side of the game 
but it's also a perfect time for the guys behind him to really get immersed because he's DeBoer said flat out he goes we have not seen Austin Mack in any sort of situations at all Team until situation. now yeah so not only did he get a chance to throw the ball around a little bit but he did a lot of the pre snap checks he was doing a lot of things that you would expect the veterans to mm-hmm. be doing and it's his fourth day at Washington in practice so it was pretty impressive I mean obviously I'm sure he got a lot of it wrong and I'm sure Grubbs can have a field day with the with the film study and everything but to see a kid go through that and, and Kim you've made the point that he's only 17 years old just turned 17 yeah for him to go through all this stuff the way that he is and still have a lot of, of composure about his play um, speaks volumes and 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 he, there's no doubt that he's the clear number three DeBoer talked about the fact that they still have to figure out who the clear number three is. So a day like today gives them great insight. Yesterday when we saw Austin Mack, he looked like a 17-year-old high school mm-hmm. kid out there. I mean, he had some rough moments, which you would expect. And he just looked, boy, he's got a long ways to go. But you could see the glimpses. And we saw mm-hmm. a lot more. He definitely grew a lot from yesterday well, to yeah, today. Yeah, well, it shows how coachable he is. I mean, he looked like a different quarterback throwing the ball. He wasn't even remotely close to great or anything like that. But there were some throws where that that one where he play fakes and then pulls it and, and hits Cuevas over the middle, uh, Tristan Dunn had good coverage on that too. Yeah. And and Cuevas makes a nice catch for about, I don't know, 15, 20 yards, whatever it was. But you could see the potential. And then you watch him how light he is on his feet for a guy his size to be able to run around like he does and do the different things he does. I, I think... They were able to see some things from him today. Chris, who was that quarterback back in the day, the J.C. guy, who must have had the greatest highlight film in the history of quarterbacks that they brought in, and we kept on looking at him and going, they gave him a scholarship? Remember that guy? Ryan Porter? Yeah, remember that guy? I remember the name. (laughs) He Um, couldn't couldn't throw a football, but that's what Austin Mack looked like yesterday, but he was only 17. I was going to say, a couple things that I would say about Mack right now. First of all, DeBoer said it himself. He goes, you can tell the kid is learning almost snap to snap. You can see the development yeah. and like just his acuity and just understanding what's going on around him. So there's that. So watching that happen in real time is actually really interesting to follow. The other thing I would say is that it's, there's a clear delineation, guys, and you could see it in practice. When he has to just step back and, and do like a one, quick one step, throw it, he's money. When he doesn't have to think and he doesn't have to worry about a read or a progression – or a tree, or any of that kind of stuff, and he just has to step back and launch it, he's as good as gold right now. He looks as good as, as Demo. He looks as good as Penix. It's when he has to go to the five- and seven-step progressions, and he's got to look downfield, yeah. figure out what's going on. He, more touch sacks for him than probably Demo and Penix combined. Well, you, you called it a party at the quarterback. Yes. I called it a jailbreak sack. All I mean, day. There, there were five guys, but there were five guys that could have got a sack yes. on that one. A on Foa that one had a huge day today yeah. and yesterday. I thought Boy Tanufi did yeah. too. Yeah. But when you getting back to Mac, when you take a look at Mac, I think the thing that jumps out to me the most, number one, he's six six, six seven. But a lot of the time when we've seen those taller quarterbacks, they're kind of like ostriches and they're kind of clunky and kind of, you know, foot stompers. But he's a pretty athletic kid for that size. Yeah, yeah, and I mean, that's the lightness on the feet. I mean, that's he looks what like I'm a small, for, yeah. small forward basketball player. Yeah, he, he, he can move. He, he's not a guy who's going to be a statue back. Yeah, one, one the of the thing, things about going around, like when he was getting flushed out of the pocket, that was one thing. But when 
the first one of the first plays in today where he was actually decisive in going through the pocket and running through the pocket and getting downfield, that was where it was almost like a bit of a wow moment. It's like, okay, not only is he 6'6", and he's just going to – his strides are going to be eating up tons of yards anyways, but you're right, Kim. He, he's very coordinated. He's very quick. And for his size, he can really get downfield. There, there were there were a couple times when he stepped up into the pressure, though, yeah. and yeah, oh, that for was sure. that was negative. I was yeah. like, I was like, man, that looked that looked like uh, Jacob Eason stepping up into the. Well, pressure. he's going to take so, a lot well, of lumps. Well, what's in interesting, the, you know, with his throwing motion, I think that. Um, you know, is what's demanded of you as a college quarterback. He looks as though that motion's going to change when he puts on some strength because mm-hmm. he still looks like he that throwing motion is a little bit awkward, but I think mm-hmm. that'll get cleaned up when he adds the strength. But mm-hmm. I kind of keep on thinking when I see him running around and I see him playing out there, it's kind of reminiscent of Brandon Roy. He's just really smooth out there, and he's an athlete. Yeah. He's like a basketball player playing quarterback. I just get this, I just get this feeling that the first time we're going to get a chance to talk to him, which I assume won't be until next spring, when we do that, the, 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 the feeling or whatever we're seeing now is going to be so much different than what he's going to be like after not just a full season behind Penix and Morris, but also the full offseason with McKeefery getting bigger, faster, stronger, all the things that he has in the offseason so that he hits spring f- football and he's going to not just be the clear two guy, but I guarantee he's going to be challenging Morris for the starting I spot. I think it's going to be real interesting, and you know, at some point down the road. Hey, um, you remember that first practice at Austin Mackey? Can we take a look at that film when he's a junior? Yeah. You know, that'll be Maybe. real interesting. But just the other quarterbacks, um, uh, you know, you kind of surprised. I'm trying to remember the, the – Alex Johnson. Yeah, kind of surprised Alex Johnson. We're not seeing much of him. Yeah, I, I think part of it is they saw a lot of him during the spring. Right. Yeah. So I think this is their chance to get it to see what Austin Mack can do. And, and you know, it, it really is between Alex Johnson and Austin Mack for that number three spot. Yeah. And I think that they want to do everything they can to keep Austin Mack a redshirt on him. Yeah. I think it, so if Alex Johnson can be that guy, that's what, that's what they're going to hope to do, especially if you only have to really play him one game or something like that and maybe give him some mop-up duty or whatever. But, you know, Dylan Morris is the locked-in number two guy. Mike Penix is the locked-in number one guy. So it's really a battle for that third spot. And Dylan Morris, while, you know, he makes mistakes here and there, I, I still think he is by far the best second quarterback that Washington can my have. gut My yeah. gut tells me the next practice, we're going to see Alex Johnson get as many reps Maybe. in the next practice as we saw Austin Mack Would, get today. It wouldn't surprise me. And the new quarterback, Haskell, from San Diego State, he can't play, so. Yeah, they're, they're just he, they're going to work him through. You know, Ryan Grubb is going to work on probably fundamentals with him. They're going to work on him understanding the offense and things like that, learning the playbook. Um, but there's no reason to get him reps because he can't play this year. Yeah, and moving over to the running backs, Chris, you know, uh, Coach DeBoer was asked about Tybo Rogers, and it sure seemed like earlier, you know, like yesterday and this morning, that he might be gone for violation of team rules. But, you know, the response that Kalen DeBoer had, it sure sounds like he's going to be back at some point. Yeah, no, I mean, basically he said we're hopeful to have him back sooner rather than later. He hopes it's soon. But he just kind of left it very open-ended. But he certainly didn't make it sound like he's off the team. Right. He, it just sounds like he's probably got to do some things. And, 
and and get back in good graces. And, and, and you don't want to lose a guy with his talent. I mean, he's he's the future of Washington at, at running back. Well, but, especially the but way they, they don't need him this year. Right, but this but the way they talked about him yeah. and the way that they you know had recruited him for so long and the the relationship with Lee Marks, it just seems like he was such an odd. It, it just it kind of came out of the blue. It just doesn't make sense. Cam Davis is the clear number one, and uh, Dylan Johnson. We just haven't seen him participate a whole lot, mm-hmm. and it's kind of opened the door for a couple of guys who stood out. Yeah, today. which was weird because we saw him early on. Like I saw him in the pass pro with the linebackers, and and he was doing some other things, and then all of a sudden the team periods come, and he's nowhere to be seen. It's it's almost like Tupatala in a sense, although. I will say, not jumping ahead, but Tupatala did actually look like he got a rep or two yeah. in, in one of the team periods near the end. But, yeah, Dylan Johnson's nowhere to be found during the team periods. It's given – I mean, Daniel got it. I said it in the in the practice thread. I think he probably had the best practice I've seen him in the purple and gold. He looked um, really good today. He looked great today. He busted some runs, um, a couple that were just, like, untouched. Yeah. I mean, credit to, the, credit to the offensive line. But he also read the play well. And, and yeah. just real quick, Scott, for people who haven't seen him, he's not the biggest guy. No, he's small. But he's, he's compact. Very small, yeah. Yeah, to me, he kind of reminds me a little bit of a Willie Hurst um, in that sense. Like, he's not, he's not a speed merchant, but he's just a very naturally gifted runner, tough runner, um, can, can go inside or outside. He's got the ability to, to do both. But he's a very instinctual runner. Seems I, like he's about 5'8", maybe 200. He's pretty yeah, stocky. I think he's listed yeah. about 5'9", 190, yeah. 5'. Yeah. So, or something like but that. The, the guy that really continues to surprise me is Will Nixon. I mean, he's kind of been the forgotten guy. Because he is. they have him listed as a running back and wide receiver you know, on the roster. And I think a lot of us expected him to be more of a slot guy. But then you watch him run, and you're just like, geez, he's, had a, he's a really good runner. What's going to hold him back, though, and I watched the pass pro drill, he got beat by walk-on linebackers. And yeah. you just, you're just you not going to see a ton of playing time in Washington's scheme if, if you can't, get, if if you can't, get beat, if you can't beat walk-on yeah. linebackers. Yeah. But the ace in the hole with Will Nixon is that they'll just rotate him all the way out because, remember, he's, he's, he's listed at receiver running back, even though Ryan Grubb says he is just a full-on running back. Yeah. But the fact is is that he's got a lot of turns at receiver if they all of a sudden spread him wide and don't give him pass pro responsibilities, that changes his his yeah. kind of his mo he, altogether. Well, he got lit up pretty good by Lee Marks today. Oh yeah, he, that he was did, about. which was weird because he absolutely got lit up by Goforth. I mean, just yeah. lit up. And I don't know if it was because he was in the wrong place at the wrong time or whatever. It or was. he missed the hole. Or yeah, whatever, but yeah. Will, yeah, uh, Lee Marks just he, got well all over so, him. So so. The play was run to the. It was more like a red zone play, right? And so he runs. He runs to the left side. He gets lit up by the defense. They go to do the next formation. It was like a, almost like a no huddle kind of a situation. Yeah. They spread him out, and he's actually the far guy on the right, right. side. Yeah. On the other side of the field, and he pulls and him he out he lines up, and Lee Marks from the far hash on the left yeah. side goes get out of the drill. Yeah, he pulled him out of the play. He pulls him out. He sends Nagata in for him. And then the entire walk yeah. back, Marks is just lighting him up. chewing him up. And I yeah. Don't, yeah, which was weird. I, get, I give him credit for going over to Marks and taking it. A lot of guys would have walked the other way. Yeah. Even. Well, but, but Marks wasn't the only coach that was lighting guys up today. I mean, I saw it from a few guys. I saw Sher- Sheridan was lighting up Gear and Hatchet, mm-hmm. which is like, whoa, 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 what's that all about? Yeah. You know, so, I mean, mm-hmm. it, you know, bottom line is 
I, I think that there is this this real sense of they haven't done anything yet with the players, so I think they police themselves really well. But it, it the coaches are still finding opportunities to remind them very very, I don't know brusquely is the term, uh-huh. or or just they they take uh, they take their turns making sure that these guys are well aware that they haven't done anything yet. Yeah, the receivers, Rome had another high point catch. He went up really nice. but uh, With Dylan Morris, yeah, and well, I put Denzel it, I Boston. Put it, I put it on the board that that, that play reminded me of the, the J-Mac play against Christian Gonzalez. A little bit. Uh, in Oregon. But but this one was much easier yeah. for Rome because he just literally just snatched it from Devon Banks and while Banks was still on the ground and just kind of lorded it over him. Yeah, and then uh, and then they had the back shoulder throw to Denzel Boston down the, that you wrote about in the in That the looked like a pass interference. Call mm-hmm. to me. That it looked did. like Boston pushed off. You know what? I didn't mention that in the in the in yeah. the game in the practice wrap, but yeah, it was. Didn't notice. I, I haven't noticed Rasheed Williams or um, Keith Reynolds jumped out a little bit the first day, but uh, they seem to have quieted. Yeah, down. They, they're not getting as much run with the second. Yeah, it, it's almost like that. I think Camden co- Sermon's been getting a lot more run. Yeah, I think the coaches maybe threw those guys into the deep end day one, and then have been trying to pull them out ever since. Because well, talking to Ryan Grubb, it was very, very interesting yesterday where he just been, I don't even have any comments on those guys yet. It's, like, kind of, it's kind of refreshing with this coaching staff. They tell you things. Well, they pull no punches, <laughs> that's for sure. Yeah. They pull no punches. Yeah, which is kind of refreshing and we're not used to it. Yeah, you know? well, yeah, I suppose. But it's just interesting because you, if you think about what they're saying, all of a sudden it's like, yeah, I get it. But it's almost like, did, did they just not do anything at all the first day? But at the same time, he's like, until they can actually go through a walkthrough and know what they're doing, we really don't have anything to talk about. It's kind of like when you when they say that, it's kind of like, okay, coach, I got you. That yeah. makes sense. One of my favorite moments was today, six-year tight end, Jack Westover jumped off sides, and he just immediately turned around and walked right yeah. over. Yeah, and Boston did the same thing. Yeah, Boston yeah. did the same thing. Yeah, Jack was more like he didn't even stop. He just went off sides and just made a huge yeah. hit started running into the And they run over to a sign that says TNT, and it stands for takes no talent, and that just means in order to stay on sides or not make a penalty in that situation – it, you don't have to have talent. You have to have focus so, and yeah, concentration. It's just a lack of focus. Yeah. yeah. Like I said, Jack just jumped off sides. He didn't even stop. He just made a huge yeah. one. Scott, you, meant, you mentioned Camden Sermon. There was a play where he was going down the field, and he was double covered, and it was an incomplete pass, and he ended up pushing JV. I think it was JV, JV on, on Green. Sunday. Or, yeah, Green and, then, yeah. and then all of a sudden, uh, Thaddeus Dixon took offense to that and pushed Sermon. And I think there were flags all over the place. There were, but it, it was actually think, called on Sermon. Right, but I, I didn't know if Dixon got a penalty for yeah. retaliation at all. But I suspect that that's going to be one of those TNT plays that they're going to go through yep. film study and go, okay, there might be a little extra in there. Hey, did, did uh, Quentin Moore have to crawl? Don't know. I didn't see it. Okay, because he had a fumble. He did, and he didn't do anything about it. Was he it just a fumble or a hands. Was it a fumble or oh, no, a drop? He, he, no, no, no. He got, the ball I got knocked out. I think they called it a fumble. Yeah, the ball definitely sure. got knocked out. One of the defensive players knocked it out and went after yeah. it. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. 
Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. Yeah, one of the guys, and I want you guys to take a little bit of time and explain, Void Tanufi is not the same player he was last year. He's different, playing a different position. What's going on with Void Tanufi? And he had a great day today. I thought he had a really good day today. Uh, Chris mentioned Sakai Asawa-Foa. He, he was in the backfield a lot. And both of those guys, depending on the situation, I mean, Void Tanufi actually lined up as a when they had a passing down. So it was him and Trice that were down, and then... Um, and then Holtzclaw and, or no, it was Durfee, I'm sorry, Durfee and uh, ZTF were lined up as edges. So it was that was kind of interesting to see. But boy, he's has been, been really explosive. He's been moved to edge um, and has been really explosive and, and a real a guy that has really gotten after it. And I, I talked to Eric Schmidt on Thursday. I just posted it this morning. But um, he basically said because he was so light, we couldn't put him in against the bigger offensive lines and more physical offensive lines that we are facing off against. But from a talent standpoint, he has everything that we would want to get on the field. He just isn't big enough. So putting him at edge allows us to run him into the game a lot more than we were able to before. Yeah, he, I'm, he was light inside, and yep. I'm sure he was trying to bulk up. But is he smaller than he was a year ago? Has he lost weight to move to edge? I don't know what, what? he was last He's year. He's listed at 260, so... I, I, that probably to me pretty is close. a little heavier, yeah. not much heavier, but a little bit heavier than last year. Yeah, moving him out to edge just seems mm-hmm. to have worked. And as you mentioned, you thought he had a really good practice. Yeah, today. I thought he had a great practice. Today. I think he's had a great fall camp yeah. so far. Four um, practices in, yeah. He's been a difference maker. And the other thing I saw, and I posted it on the practice thread earlier today, is I saw Brian Trice actually working a little bit with defensive linemen. Mm-hmm. So, and, and now it was just a little individual period, and I didn't necessarily see anything. The rest of practice, like during the team periods and stuff, that that all of a sudden Braylon Trice was was up, up against a nose or something like that. But again, it does go to show that if you look at last year and you really break it down, Voitanufi was in a lot of pure passing situations, a lot of third and long situations, and they might be trying to figure out another way to maybe use Braylon Trice in a unique situation, much like they used Tanufi last year that way. I don't know if I want to call it battles or not, but in the secondary, it seems like people are vying for playing time because I think they're going to rotate a lot of guys in. But there's some good battles for playing time over in the defensive secondary. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, we've talked about it a lot. Mohammed seems to be a a shoe-in to do one of the spots, but Javion Green, Thaddeus Dixon, Elijah Jackson, they're battling for that that other spot. And then... um, I think Mish Powell is pretty much locked in as your as your husky, and your two safeties are probably Dom Hampton and Asa Turner. But after that, you got a lot of guys jockeying for position. Mikel Steen had a pick today; he's battling for a for a spot in that in that secondary rotation at safety. Um, you've got uh, Vince Nunley. Nunley and and Esteen are basically have been the twos for the most part, but we've seen a lot of different guys rotating through. Um, Tristan Dunn has gotten reps at safety and at the, the uh, Husky spot. Cam Fabi Kulanen has gotten 
uh, reps at, fab, at, at uh, both spots too. So that's kind of interesting to see how things are going to play out there. It's, and it's, Devon Banks, I think that I, I left him out of the cornerback rotation. He's played really well. The only thing I'd add, Scott, is that I know you've been pretty consistent from the beginning of fall camp saying that we feel confident that Elijah Jackson probably has that other corner spot, but it's not so much that he's taken it. It's that right now it, it's his, but it's still up for grabs. Yeah, no one's come up and, and done And it. if a guy yeah. like Thaddeus Dixon is going to win that spot, he's got to come up and take it. Mm-hmm. I think today he might have started to take it. Yep. Yeah. That yeah. wouldn't surprise me. He had that almost pick on he should have had a pick six. He so, did. Well Braylon Trice I we didn't even mention that. I didn't even mention it in my write up. Braylon Trice first play of the first yeah, play of the team defense. series. Yeah. He he should have had a pick six. He yeah. really should have. And one of the guys that I haven't noticed and maybe I'm just not focusing on just seems to have a really um, quiet camp is Asa Turner. Yeah, he's yeah. he's there. I mean, but he's no one else is playing at the ones right now yeah. besides him and Hampton. I mean they're they're the fixture. It's almost like Washington's first-team offensive line right now. As, as much as there were question marks coming into the season with the interior of it, nothing's changed. you got Bulo at left guard. You've got Mateo Mele at center. You've got uh, Nate Kalepo at right guard, and those guys have been the stalwarts. And even, even Ryan Grubb said yesterday he, he singled out a guy like Bulo for what he's done in camp so far. But you just don't really think about them too much because they've been—they're so experienced, yeah. they're so veteran. They almost—it's not a foregone conclusion, but you don't think about them as much as some of the newer guys. Like one of the guys we haven't mentioned, as far as the secondary, is Darren Barkins. But I thought he made a couple plays today and is starting to move up a little bit. He would have had I, a sack today. Yeah, and I'll yeah. fully admit that there's been a couple times already in fall camp, not just today, but like first day where I thought that that was Dyson McCutcheon because mm-hmm. they're not dissimilar in terms of body size. Yeah. And then all of a sudden I remember, oh, yeah, that's right, McCutcheon's 21 and Barkins is, is yeah. McCutcheon's we old We haven't number. seen much of McCutcheon's either. I mean, he's have over not. on the east field getting reps. Yeah, have not, yeah. to be honest. He's one guy that has not really done much. Yeah, uh, special teams today seem like the focus uh, of today's special team periods is on the punt. Unit. Yeah, McAllister and Saul both got some punts. Um, so did uh, ninety. Pets. Yeah, is Pets. The, is, yeah, the yeah, Trevor Pets or whatever his name is. Pets. Well, yeah, I don't remember. I'm yeah. gonna have to look it up. But anyway, he the, he got a couple uh, kicks too. But no, I mean McAllister looks like he's feeling a lot more comfortable than he did last year. When he hits the ball well, it goes. Um, and uh, he hit the ball well uh, two of the three times he punted. Well, if McAllister can't punt, they're going to be in big trouble because there's nothing I've seen from, I think it's Troy, maybe. Yeah, but, but Saul. There's nothing. Adam Saul's Saul. okay. But, I, I, again, yeah. I didn't see anything consistently that tells me yeah. he's going to pick up right where Jack McAllister leaves off if, in fact, they need to use him. Who was the punter that left? Where'd he go? Remember the punter? It was the Hawaiian kid, the big kid? Oh, uh, no. Well, yeah, he was the... Um, well, Kevin Ryan was the back no, last no, year. No, he's talking about the kicker, the guy who handled kickoff duties from Hawaii. They called him Big Kicker. Oh, Horn? Horn. Yeah. That's years ago. Yeah, it wasn't that long ago. Yeah, it was. Is he still playing? He'd be a senior this year. <laughs> yeah, I don't... I think I he's at Hawaii. He left a while ago. I thought ago. he was at the University of Hawaii. Ah, that's yeah. a deep pull. Yeah, that, I had thought about that. Oh, Ryan, Ryan Porter, he's got that one, and... Horn, and yeah. I'm pulling them all out today. Okay. <laughs> all right. Um, 
realignment, anything new on that? It's gonna, I think it's going to be interesting to follow and see if anything comes up with the four remaining schools in the Pac-12. But, but uh, well, you saw something today that they announced on Twitter. They might be going to a 10-game conference schedule. Yeah, that's that's interesting. Where the if you're going to be in the Big Ten, it's going to be a 10-game conference schedule, which means you'd only have two out-of-conference games. Which, if Washington holds true with their Apple Cup thing, you're really only one different team every year. Yeah. Which, in some ways, I'm sure someone like Jen Cohen is probably breathing a heavy sigh of relief yeah. because I only have to people, worry about getting yeah. people to come to Washington. It's not the easiest thing in the world unless you're talking about Eastern Washington. Well, with that nine conference games, you you always had four on the road, and I mean, you always had that four or five. You know, five games at home one year, and then the following four. So, it seems to make a lot of sense if they did that. Yeah. Well, so. and that's another thing too. Now, would you be guaranteed only six home games? Because the most likely, if the Apple Cup was to continue, it would probably be a neutral venue game like Lumen Field. I'm not convinced of that. I think that the I mean I think the best I think the mo- most likely scenario is game in Husky Stadium and then uh, every other year having it in a neutral site splitting the revenues. I don't see Washington going giving up the revenues. They need the revenues too bad. I, I just don't see that happening. Mm-hmm. So are you saying that if they if they played one year at Husky Stadium, they you think they're going to be able to convince Washington State that they should take all the revenue for that game, and Washington State has to treat that like a true road game. Well, they're not going to get all the revenues, but if Washington, if Washington State's a member of the WAC, I mean, Washington may be able to pay them more to come in. You know, because Washington pays a pretty hefty price for these teams to come in. So I don't know. We'll see. I just don't see them going over to Pullman. I I just don't no. see. see so that. you, so you think happen. you you think they would actually end up paying Washington State a fee to come play at Husky but Stadium? But they pay every team a fee that comes in to play Husky Stadium. Well, they haven't had to pay Washington State in the well, past. Well, no, but I mean that so. was that was part of the issue is some of the money that some of these teams wanted to come in and play Washington. You know, like I mean, they were paying Montana over a million dollars to come in and play that game. So what would they pay Washington State? So it all comes down to penciling out the money because it still comes down mm-hmm. to the money anyways. So well, that's why that's why a Lumen Field neutral site game. Makes more sense. You just split it right down the middle. Oh, we'll, we'll have to see what the, yeah. what the numbers turn out. So, yeah. Yeah. Uh, let's go ahead and wrap it up, guys. Okay. Scott? Um, you know, fourth day, we're seeing a lot of the same stuff, guys. I mean, it's, it's to that point where I'm seeing a lot of the same stuff. I mean, guys are standing out and making plays and doing some flashing, but for the most part, it, you know, the drills are all the same. The the practice goes about the the same way every time. So. Um, we're kind. I'm personally in that kind of doldrums session of camp where the first day or two is kind of fun because you get to see new things all the time, especially the guys. But now that we've seen four practices and uh, what Tuesday and Wednesday will probably be full pad practices, so that'll be interesting. To yeah. Work. So right now it's like watching a NASCAR race with the cars going around in a circle. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> but uh, people are listening to this. Going, you guys are having a problem watching a football practice. Oh, I know, no, no, no. Just saying, it gets to be we're watching the same thing over yeah. and over and over. I'm not again. watching the same things. I'm seeing new things all the time, guys. I don't know what you're watching. Yeah, I'm watching the pigeons and the seagulls. Anyway, uh, it was a good fourth day, though. Uh, it's good to see the defense continue to step up. Wrap it and up. it was good to see Austin Mack. Wrap it up, Chris Feathers. Yeah, no, it was fantastic. Again, watching the starting quarterback run gassers in the middle of practice. That's a first for me. Never seen that before. That was really interesting. 
Um, seeing the starting quarterback take the entire day off was also first thing I've ever. I've never seen that never before. Seen that. So a lot of interesting things happening. The one thing I will say is because I will have all the quotes from Kalen DeBoer after today's session, uh, after the podcast is posted. One thing I will say is that he was asked about recruiting. And he did say that more and more they were getting questions about the Pac-12 and what was going to happen with that. But now that that question's been resolved, it's really opened things back up with them. So that that's going to be an interesting thing to follow as we go on. So just in general, um, a lot of great stuff from today. Didn't think we were going to see as much from Austin Mack as we did today. So that was the big takeaway, getting a chance to really get to see what he was all about. And again, I think the defense is starting to continue to make big plays. So that that was that was also good to see. And real quick, Scott, people, you know, just we haven't talked a lot about recruiting because there's not a lot going on. Maybe tell people a little bit about what's going on in recruiting. And just before you do, just when we're down on the field during stretching, all the coaches seem to have their iPhones out mm-hmm. and uh, they're lifting them up and showing them the stadium. They're calling recruits from. There practice. were two today that did okay, it. So I, saw, I saw Schmidt and I saw William Inge yeah. doing it. So. And Jamarcus yeah. Shepard does it every time. Yeah, too. and, and I, I think Sheridan has done it. I've seen Lee Marks doing it. So, yeah, um, there's not a lot going on in recruiting. They're, they're, they can't actively recruit kids. They can't be off campus. They can't have recruits on campus right now. They're still ca- talking to them. They're still calling them and doing all that different stuff. But, um, yeah, I mean, it, you, people just need to understand it, it's not going to pick up until September. It's like this every year, by the way. But, but real quick, because it is a little surprising to me because in the past we have been able to see recruits come on campus and watch practices and things mm-hmm. like that. When, I don't know if that you know the calendar. That like three years ago. Right, but when can, you, when, when can they September. come back to watch? September. So it's after, it has to be after the first game? Yeah, no, okay. at the first game they can have kids on campus. No, 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 but I'm saying in terms of practice, if, if they want to bring yes. recruits on campus for yes. practice. Practice. Correct. Okay. Yeah. Uh, day four in the books. Again, uh, we have practice Tuesday and Wednesday open to us, and those are the last two practices we're going to be able to attend. But uh, no, 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 there, no, there's one each the following two weeks. Okay. And yeah. then in addition, we've got media pretty much after yeah. every practice. So just keep it right here at dogman.com. We've got a lot of content uh, in the hopper waiting to get out, so we'll have lots and lots of coverage coming up. So for all of us at dogman.com, I'm Kim Reynolds along with Chris Fetters and Scott Eklund. Go dogs. From producers Matt Damon and Ben Affleck, explore how art and music sustained hope during the siege of Sarajevo. Thanks in part to humanitarians and the band U2. Kiss the Future, new documentary now streaming exclusively on Paramount+. Plus. Go to Paramount Plus to try it free. Terms apply.